Good Show, the podcast helping you answer one of the most daunting questions in television. What am I watching next? I'm Brandon Sharp. And I'm Anthony Maker. And on this episode of Good Show, we are discussing The Bear. This critically acclaimed drama follows Carmi, a Michelin star chef who has returned home to Chicago to run his family's Italian beef sandwich shop. How high are the stakes? How high can you count? The kitchen of this North Chicago dive is where tradition and gourmet training collide. Sprinkle in a little family drama and you have a recipe sure to stress out even the most seasoned of television watchers. The Bear was created by Christopher Storer and aired on FX for the first time in June of 2022. So Anthony, The Bear, what was your initial thoughts on this show? I remember seeing a preview for this and I love cooking like scripted uh cooking movies and shows um, stuff like chef and burnt Mm -hmm. and there's been a bunch of good ones. Mm -hmm. What was your like initial thoughts on this when you saw um, that it was coming out? Yeah. So I, so if I remember correctly, I believe what happened, you told me about this show and the only thing I knew was that I had seen it in the Hulu queue as like recommended for you, but you know, 70% of the time recommended for you is not correct anyway. So Uh now I I will say the, um, it was always intriguing to me down there in the bottom corner of my screen. I think the design of, you know, the, the cover art or whatever Uh of the show is really, really good. And it really draws you in and certainly looked, I just specifically remember kind of putting that off to the side in the back of my head and basically saying, okay, this, this is might be something I want to check out, but I just hadn't done it yet. But then all of a sudden you came to me and were like, have you seen the bear? And, um, I said, no, but you recommended it highly. And so I kind of went for it. And I think I like went for it hard and passed you pretty you quick. You passed me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Well, I, I feel like there were a couple things that drew me away. Uh huh. From the show initially, like I watched a couple episodes. Well, Stranger Things came out during that that time, I think. Gotta be one of the things, yeah. Yeah, I think that was roughly around the same time. So anyway, I I finished it like way later than you, and I ended up loving it. It ended up being probably one of my favorite shows of the summer, like Mm. new shows of the summer. Sure. And I don't know. I mean, it just, it really clicked with me. I think there's a lot of different things in there that I loved. What kind of show do you feel like this is, though, before we get too far ahead? I don't know. It's really, really hard for me to classify. Certainly, I mean, a drama, just straight up drama. And it has like the, I, I think, high stakes. You mentioned high stakes in the intro. And I think it has sort of the high stakes of a, I almost want to say like a procedural cop show. Even yeah. It's different stakes, though. It's like not... Uh-huh. It's not manipulated. Somebody got murdered or something like that stakes, but the intensity is there uh, in the Mm -hmm. show. And so you like, you are sort of, but it's not, not certainly not leaving you in, uh, well, suspense, maybe suspense, but not, you're not, you're not nervous. It's a different kind of suspense. It's definitely suspenseful. Yes. Yes, yes, No no doubt. Yeah. And this is like a sandwich shop. Yeah. Suspense isn't like a word that would come into my mind when I think cooking show. Yeah. But goodness gracious. It's suspenseful. It's stressful. Um, I want to say like a hair dark comedy. I don't know that we feel like uh-huh. I feel like we throw that around a lot, but no, it's got it. Yeah, it's got some it's got plenty of laughs. And yep. but there's like some it's like pretty serious stuff, you know, happening and it's all kind of intertwined. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. It, it's just it's it is definitely another unique show. You make a great comparison when you say it's like chef or like burnt or is burnt the one with Bradley Cooper. It is. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So it's the most like burnt, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It is very much like burnt the TV show. Um, And that and in that like the, the drama is this similar stakes to what is 
I like how we keep saying steaks, and I just now got the connection between steaks and a cooking like show. A, like a steak. So yeah. when I say similar steaks, I don't mean like beef. I mean, <laughs> I don't even know what kind of steaks are the steaks that you. <laughs> I think what I mean is just like, it feels very important. Like there's big yes, things, yeah. big, important life altering things happening. Mm-hmm. And yet at the same time, we're behind the scenes of a sandwich shop in Chicago. You know, it's like, uh-huh. The stakes are huge for these guys, you know, like this is their whole world. It's super important. I don't know. It's just, it feels like it should be an easy watch, but it's anything but that. Oh, it's not an easy watch in, in the, in the sense that like, you're not relaxing while you watch the show. I don't think. Yeah. You're dead. You're dead right about that. So what are we, what kind of show is this like? Is it maybe more network drama, premium drama? Where do you feel like it falls kind of in the the classification system that we use? So it doesn't have any of the effects or anything like that that takes a lot of large budget but it's um artistically shot like we've talked about Uh before and it's got a look to it and and as we've spoken of like there was clearly intentional cinematography in this show and so probably more i would say a premium drama than cinematic but but because you bring up like the cooking shows you could turn this on in the middle of it and think, oh, I'm watching one of those cooking movies. You know, that re sort of frames how I think about a cinematic quality or something like that, but probably premium drama. Sure. I would agree. I also love it very much revolves around like one setting, you Mm -hmm. know, it it really like almost the whole show Mm -hmm. takes place in the kitchen. Yep. I mean, there are a few things that happen outside of there, but it really reminds me in some ways of like a 12 angry men, you know, it's just Everything is really going on in this these tight quarters, and it almost like uh, sometimes just kind of makes you look like you're looking for the exits. Like, how do I get out of here? I need to breathe. You know, it's just yes. tight, uh-huh. hot. That's you know, a really steam, good point. Yeah. Smoke. It's super loud. You yes. know, everyone's yelling. And yeah, I didn't want to like bring this up too early, but why not? It's coming up naturally. So yeah, the I think anxiety is a massive part of the show. Oh, for sure. Um, and it's sort of like you're watching anxiety through the roof on on the screen, just like Brandon's talking about. You're watching people yelling. You're watching uh, a high pressure environment. And but also uh, you bring up a really interesting point that basically like not only is it high anxiety, but you're sort of stuck with them inside a small space. And so just the whole thing is just I mean, honestly, for me, there were certain points where I was thinking, why am I letting a show do this to me? Like bring my heart rate up. Like, why am I choosing to engage in sort of like um, extracurricular anxiety? (laughs) It's like, uh, I got plenty of things that do this to me, like that I have to do. Now I'm doing it for fun. (laughs) Yeah. Now, now certainly just as any good show would do, it sort of helps you process that along the way. So it's not just like it's leaving you in, in anxiety, but there were many points during the show where I just kept thinking, why am I choosing to put myself through this? And yeah. there's a really good reason it, it doesn't take away from the show, but it's certainly like high anxiety environment for sure. Um, I'm wondering if it might be helpful to just say a couple more things about the plot of the show at this point, because it's, it's sort of a new idea as I've been trying to talk people into watching it. It's hard to classify because if I say it's like one of those cooking movies, that's sort of true. Um, but Uh the plot really brings it into a different realm as well because of the whole family connection and we're not going to, you know, spoil anything about the plot, but, um, essentially like. Carmi was a Michelin star chef, like Brandon said, but he comes home out of working in 
I think it's, I don't think it's a spoiler to say he was in the best restaurant in the world, basically, is what's inferred there. And I think even directly said, he leaves the best restaurant in the world. He's the chef of the best restaurant in the world, leaves it Uh to come run this basically sort of somewhere on the line between a dumpy sandwich shop, but also a well-respected sandwich shop within the community. Um, Right. And yeah, I mean, it's like the same deal. Like if you're in Philadelphia, all of the all of the cheesesteak joints feel a little dumpy, Mm -hmm. but they're also like, you know, packed all the time. So it's kind of like that. Yes. And so he, now you're going to, I'm sorry, you're going to have to help me with this. I can't even remember, but he takes it over from his, it's, it's not his brother. It's his cousin. No, it's his brother. Oh, it's his brother. Yes. And he works with his cousin. He works with his cousin. Yes. Okay. Who was actually closer to the brother. Right. Closer to the brother and was still around working in the shop with his brother. And yes, worked with him. Um, So, but then his brother sort of, inexplicably to his cousin left it to his younger brother, Carmi, as opposed to the cousin who had been there working. So there's, you know, that's some of the tension, stuff like that. Um, But then you also have this like family environment in downtown Chicago. So there's, you know, certainly just a certain style to cultural style to the whole thing with everybody being blunt with each other and all that sort of thing. So it's just very interesting, but I I didn't know if a little plot would help people find some touchstone they really liked or something. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it it would remind you a lot of, it's like a, has very strong like italian roots yes actually that's yeah and yeah anyway so i mean just they're they're gruff they're blunt they're to the point they don't mince words and also sorry sort of in the italian way not to over stereotype but like it's uh sort of there's no like crime happening but it's like sort of uh mob family adjacent like (laughs) there's no actual mob yeah they're not criminals no yeah yeah. but it's but it's a similar feel to like the sopranos something like Uh that yeah yeah for sure i think that's super helpful i feel like the only thing i've done when people have asked me hey what should i be watching right now i'm just like the bear turn it on and you're hooked you know like for me it was it was enough of a draw like I feel like it hooks you pretty quick, but well, I, I do I agree, feel like a little context would help. Okay, I agree, but I feel like there's a couple points in the show where they try and run you off. It's like a part of the, it's almost like a... Well, the very first thing you see is a little trippy, right? There's some yeah. trippy parts. Yeah, and they're like trying to make you not like the show almost, or they're trying to push you, they're trying that's, to hold you that's up. That's bold, but I can't disagree. Well, in the way that there's also, I mean, when we get to characters, I'll talk a little bit more about this, but there's a there's a way that like the characters are certainly likable and there's a lot to dislike about everyone. So uh-huh. like even it's just different than every other show in that way and that you really like these characters. And at the same time, I think every single person I disliked in some way. So it's mm-hmm. not fully, I am that person on the screen there. It is like, oh, I'm really repelled by that person at, in this moment or, you know, something like that. It's just, it, it's different than most shows. And it's not because they're, do, it's not like a uh, succession or something like that, where they're like disgusting people. <laughs> uh, like it, it, they're just going, they're, they're just kind of mean sometimes. And it's, well, and the kitchen is the pressure cooker. Yes. It is like this refining fire mm-hmm. and it brings out just, it, it strips everyone down to the bone. It gets, you know, and, and when you are just in a high stress situation, sometimes bad things come out. One thing I like, and you can give me your opinion on this. One thing I really liked was this cast is 
pretty unfamiliar to me. I mean, I mm-hmm. know that Jeremy Allen White was on Shameless for a ton of years. I never watched Shameless. I didn't either, and so I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah so I, I just, from whatever article I was reading, I saw that he was on that. But yeah, the, the cast is um, relatively unknown. Um, who stood out to you? What, do you? what do you feel like was really working? Yeah, I feel like everyone does their job really, really well in this show. Some people have very small things to small do. Small cast, too. Yeah, small, very small cast. I think the guy who plays Carmi, Jeremy Allen White, great, amazing, really good job. One of my favorites, but also like in what I just said to you, like there's certain points where I really, really dislike him as the character him. Uh, yeah. It, I don't know how to say it. Ebon or uh yeah there's there are some names here that are are definitely going to get screwed up if we especially if we go further and further down the line yeah the guy that plays cousin richie yeah is yes the guy you're referencing right now yeah and then uh i mean uh, yeah i could just go right down the list but then the person who plays sydney yeah she's great she's great too and those are basically the three main the main ones but they all do a great job but when I'm talk, when I'm saying what I was saying before, and I feel like this is a this is an insane quality to have in an actor, but to play the play the character so well that I'm able to still like the show, just generally like the show, but also really dislike you at this moment. And even the the person who plays Sydney is the most sympathetic character in in this season or whatever. Uh, and at the same time, there's certain points where I'm just like, I can't believe you did that. You jerk. And that's, that's writing too, I guess. Yeah. So many people just playing things so well in the show. The, the, the woman who plays the sister, Carmi's sister, she's, I don't remember her name, but sugar yeah. in the, in the show. Yeah. She's so good. Like that's she's such excellent. a good relationship. That's an awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. How about I you? Was, Sorry. I was going to say, I was going to say Sydney. I flipped the show back on today actually, and watched the first couple episodes and she's got this like funky charisma about mm-hmm. her and kind of the way she's super dry, but it has like, I don't know. It's just kind of quirky and it's her, like, the cook, con- it's like cook nerd core. She's like a nerd cook <laughs> yeah. sort of yes. yeah, something like that. And the way she contrasts with Carmi's like high strung beady eyes yeah. always like on the verge of a mental break the way she kind of like contrasts with that yeah i think work works really well for the show some of the best like exchanges i feel like also happen between her and richie mm-hmm. um who's also he's just this loud this big loud yeah boisterous personality so i feel like they really have a lot to kind of clash and collide over and they have some really good scenes also so, yeah, and, and there's lots of great support, pretty much all kitchen staff. There's a guy that kind of floats around and fixes things. Mm-hmm. He's pretty funny. Like, even like right off the bat, first episode, he's got some funny parts, mm-hmm. kind of the comic relief a little bit. But yeah, I feel like especially for a relatively unknown cast, I feel like they nail it and they really like they mesh really well. Yeah, I mean, I th- yeah. So you, you had asked if if it was a weakness to have such an unknown cast, and I think it's like, or I don't know if you'd asked that yet. I can't remember, but no, I'm, I I wrote that in our notes, yeah. And I don't, I don't. Does that feel like a weakness do to you? you want to ask did, me that or what? So the cast is relatively <laughs> unknown. Do you feel like that's a weakness, or do you feel like it could be a strength? Uh, so I think the only way it's a weakness is from a marketing perspective, and like pu- right. pulling you in at first. I, I do think this cast is going to get you pretty fast, but you are certainly missing the 
well, I don't know anybody in the show. Why would I even check it out? That's that's all, sort of a problem for sure. It's all about the initial draw. Yeah. I mean, our other big summer shows, you know, had Chris Pratt mm-hmm. and Jeff Bridges, who are both pretty big draws. Mm-hmm. And this, yeah, this has to rely much more on like premise, story, mm-hmm. narrative. Those are the things that have to grab you. Unless like maybe you were like a big Shameless fan. I don't know. Maybe you're just a big Jeremy Allen White guy. Sure. So. I mean, that could have been. Was he but, like a yeah. man? Is Shameless the one with William H. Macy? Yes, it is with. Yes. It's, yeah, it's, that's, but he was Jeremy Allen White was one of the other main characters. You have never no, seen the show. Okay, yeah, I yeah. just I I saw it a lot that he was on Shameless, like pretty much the whole time or something. Yeah. Interesting. OK. So anyway. Yeah. I think this has to rely on other things yeah. to get you hooked. There are two at least super big cameos in the show. Which I find very interesting. And I'm curious how you felt about, well, I made a joke that it's actually probably worth noting on. I think I made this joke to you, like not on the show, but um, John Barenthal's in it for a little bit. Yeah. And the joke that I have now about, like I used to, oh, I still do. I still love John Barenthal, but for whatever reason, lately I've been watching him and I feel like all he does is play the exact same character, except it's a different accent every time. <laughs> but he he goes so hard for the accent. It's like, so literally this summer, I watched him be this guy with a Baltimore accent. And then now he was pretty much the exact same guy with a Chicago accent. <laughs> like, yeah, he just goes real hard for the accent, which is also so weird, such a weird conversation when you have like, it's very funny it's a, oh, that's so funny. There's the same problem in both these shows. We what we own the night was that the other one I'm talking about? Was that what that called? What that was called? It's not we own the night. We own the city. We own the city. Sorry, and I got it wrong a couple times on the podcast before, but I watched we own the city. So it's very weird <laughs> when someone in in the cast is going real hard for the accent of the area, and yes. no one else is. Right. It's like why is this the only person in Chicago with an accent? <laughs> and the best way I can like. I can talk about this is I'm sure a lot of people have seen the departed. Yes. Which has tons of different Boston (laughs) accents and like over and over and over and over. I, I hear people from that area say the ones that are the best are the ones that don't sound like they're trying really hard to nail the accent. Yes. So it's the subtle ones. So like, Mark Wahlberg, even though he's from there, was really putting his shoulder into, you know, all of the Bostonian things. And Matt Damon, too. Matt Damon is way overkill on the accent. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Whereas like a Leo DiCaprio was much more subtle and and was much better. Yes. Same with John Barenthal. And, you know, he's got his Baltimore thing going. He's got his Midwestern Chicago thing going. He's stepping on it a little bit. Yeah. But but here's the thing. So he's he plays the character that John Parenthal often plays, but he does it really well. It's a it's a good cameo. He fits the spot well. Yeah. Now the only problem is you take a, a cast of unknowns, not not in a not in an insulting way, but a cast of of relatively unknowns. And then you throw in like John Barenthal and he sticks out, especially when he's doing a giant accent like that. He yeah. I think he sticks out. And so um he just honestly didn't do it for me within the context of the story. It was sort of like, it was just a, it was odd. Uh, and I'll say that also about the other person I wanted to bring up, which was Joel McHale, um, Uh who plays, well, first episode. Yeah. Yeah. So he sort of plays, uh, Carmi's old boss and that's enough, I think, but he's basically a jerk chef that, that brought him up and taught him some stuff, you know, basically, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, 
I was sort of feeling bad for him, but I think Joel McHale is so typecast as like sarcastic Mr. Community guy. Now, I don't know if you haven't even seen Community, so but he he without him being he's not so sarcast- familiar with the with Joel though. Sure, so. yeah, and he's the same thing in everything. So uh-huh, yeah. then you take him and put him in like something that's supposed to be serious and not at all sarcastic, but also mean because sarcasm is so close to mean. Yep. That it's hard to make that turn. And he just didn't like it. That's hard to, it was weird to watch him actually be straightforward mean as opposed to sarcastically mean. It's just a weird, so interesting, big name people being thrown into a show, but they weren't getting billing anyway. So it was weird that they were in it. And then it was almost just like, I don't know. It was interesting. I've talked too much about it because it wasn't as significant as I'm you know, making it seem, but you know who was actually really good that we didn't bring up and he's not in any of the like Google's cast billings or anything was Oliver Platt. Oh yeah, he was great. He was good. He was and great, I mean yeah. he he sticks out to me not in a bad way. He like he catches my eye in a good way because of West Wing yeah, and sure. just he may not stand out to other people, but I thought he did great and I I was also remembering that he's in Chef also. Uh-huh. And I feel like he loves being in cooking shows. Yeah, maybe. maybe. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. He was good in this, though. He was really good. He kind of plays a bit of a I don't want to say crime boss, but it felt kind of yeah, crime no, bossy. very much, very much. And yeah, almost loan sharky or like a yeah, sort of a a, a rich dirtbag. So that, that actually is a pretty common theme in the show. Basically, like everybody's a dirtbag in certain ways, but none of that has anything to do with financial means because everybody has different financial means, but they're all sort of dirtbags. And right. then Oliver Platt plays like the richest of the dirt bags. And so, but then also everybody has sort of a, they, they ebb and flow through being complete dirt bags to not, and they kind of go up and down. But even Oliver Platt, who seems like he should be the meanest has a redemptive quality about him, Yep. Yeah, which is very fun. It's a fun game. They play the whole way through the show. You really see like a full range on, most of the characters, I think yeah. it's actually one of the nice things about having a smaller cast. Yes. You see a lot of different sides of each character. On to story. Did it feel like there was a clear like direction to the story? Did it feel like it was moving in a linear fashion? Or did it feel kind of like it was just treading water some? Well, I thought it was fine. I think some stuff may have been could have been ordered better um, in that if I knew it about them, there's certain things I found out about Carmi, for example, like we found out it, it out about him later in the, sh- in the episode, in the season that would have been helpful to know earlier. And it wasn't enough of a surprise for me later that I wouldn't have wanted it earlier. Um, right. I, it was almost like it was supposed to be dropped on you and you're like, Oh my gosh, I didn't know it was, that was the baggage he had. Uh, and um, <laughs> right. Which I sort of, get that idea, but, um, I don't think it was completely necessary. So there's certain things I just felt like were a little bit out of order and it would have helped to have them in a different order and know certain things about certain people earlier on, but no, I, I completely agree. Okay, the best okay, way okay. I can put it is like, it was shot and written and acted by professionals and they let a toddler come in <laughs> and go like, all right, put this however you think it would should go and they're like all right you know and they mixed everything up and then kind of it it's obviously not that sure to that extreme but it does kind of feel meandery like it it kind of circles back on itself a lot and there are you know and it kind of 
I guess kind of goes with like the high anxiety of the show. There are just some like scenes that are a little trippy. I don't know if trippy is the right word, but uh, there are scenes that don't necessarily feel like they fit, but they kind of fit. Um, I was sort of um, imagining. Um, so I was sort of imagining what it might be to be like, cause I, I don't think I've, I, I don't have any experience with anxiety on such a high level that medication is necessary or something like that. So right. as I literally, as I was watching was thinking, I want, you know, this, I wonder if this, I was sort of resonating with how this might be what it feels like to have such a high level anxiety, like me watching it. It was so trippy that it was like, wow, that would be extremely difficult. And now I'm not uh-huh. sure if that's what it was. It'd be interesting to talk to a, a extremely high anxiety person about is this what this feels like but that's sort of what i was imagining as i was watching oh that's what high 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 anxiety feels like yeah so kind of rolling off of that a little bit does the writing work for you i mean there's definitely a lot to work with a lot of like a lot of good high energy exchanges but is it well written? Do you think? I think it is, especially from the sort of as we often separate dialogue from story. I thought there's so much quick talk, yeah. And I thought that was really, really well written. Uh, very, and obviously, if you can take a cast of unknowns and sort of, sorry, I keep saying unknowns, guys and gals. <laughs> You're known to us now. Yeah, well, yeah. Sorry, but unknown to me and make me very interested. It like, that's proof enough that it's really good writing. And, um, I, you know, I hadn't real, I didn't know anything about, um, Christopher Storer before this, but I feel like I had sort of seen his name on a couple of things. Then I looked him up and he hasn't really done very much. Like, yeah. um, he did a, I think he was involved in little voice, which was a show I watched on Apple. And then I'd heard of Rami, the show, and that's about all he's done. Um, oh, he did Little Voice? He No, no, I'm sorry. He directed one episode of Little Voice, but that's gotcha. literally the only thing he's done that I've seen. He did a bunch of comedy specials, okay. directed them, and then he wrote, directed, and executive produced uh, showrunner of this show. Like, he just all of a sudden nailed this. So, I mean, I think sort of a shout out to him is all I wanted to do, just because that's a pretty significant jump, and he... Obviously, you take a cast of relatively unknown actors, yeah, and you and you make me so interested, and uh, that's you know you got to get some props for that. I agree, but it, I mean, now that you mention it, it feels like it could be someone's early piece of work. Uh-huh. You know, like it sure. ha- it just has a quality about it that it's a little experimental, a little you know trying something new. But also, uh, the show in that way, the show's sort of punk. Like it's, uh, it's like a punk TV show and in, in the like early record phase, like I'm just making yeah. a lot of loud noise to start. Yeah. And then you kind of settle down, you become Neil Young or, you know, whatever you start with super loud metal or rock and roll and you kind of ease mm-hmm. into your career after mm-hmm. that. So that's a really good analogy. I think there. After watching this show, is there anything appealing about this profession, like working in a kitchen? Yeah, no, I mean, I definitely get why you're asking that question, especially because all these shows like sort of deal with that issue of how, like, why well, they're all like everybody's a drug addict. <laughs> that, like in all, just, in all these movies and all these shows, like everybody who is a cook is a drug addict too. Sorry to overgeneralize, yeah. but I do think what this show and other shows like Chef and 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 Burnt. Um, have done for me is really proven to me that like this profession is art 
Yeah. Which I don't know that I would have thought that before. It doesn't, I don't think it has to be art, but there are artists within the field and some, you know, some of the best are the, or I, and even maybe my favorite are the artists within this profession. Uh, and then obviously we're going to get into these, but like it opens up all these other questions about if you're asking it about like a, um, a woodworker, like if a woodworker acted like this, you'd be like, well, woodworking is bad. If you were a steel worker or something like that, uh, and they acted like this, you'd be like, Hey, you're no, this is not good. This, um, and for some reason we allow it with artists. Um, yeah. there's, I mean, there's a million reasons why we allow it, but it's just, it's funny that we allow this kind of behavior when it comes to, to art. Um, but I do think the art part of it is that's why this is such an appealing, uh, appealing profession. And even the reaction you get on from cooking makes it makes sense. It's the same as any other enjoyable. It can be the same as any other enjoyable artistic field. I feel like the birth and golden era of cooking shows, like and when I say cooking shows, I mean like Gordon Ramsay yeah. stuff, you know, Master like Chef. Bo- Bobby Flay stuff. Yeah. I feel like it's given people this idea that we know everything there is to know about that now, you know? Yeah. And th- there is such a chasm between because Gordon Ramsay used to be like this. He he came from yeah. this gourmet fine dining michelin star world and now he's just a super celebrity i mean he obviously he can still cook really well or he wouldn't have a job but yeah like he he is now a like a tv star you know oh yeah so i I've, i do feel like though the 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 british bake-offs and all these other shows have really kind of made this profession feel accessible uh-huh yeah in some sure. way yep and really the people who are in the world, in the Michelin star, you know, top 10 chefs in the world They're You don't hear about them. They're not like, they're not household names, you know? Yeah. So I I feel like the whole artist thing comes into play here because it, it feels more, it, I don't know. It feels more plug and play when we're talking about stuff we see on TV and it's really not. I mean, this is a whole, like, it's a whole other world that fast. It does fascinate me. Like, People performing mm-hmm. at such an elite level mm-hmm. with food. I mean, you know, something that every like most people partake in every single day. And there are people who have made it their entire life and create art out of it. And I think uh, for me in particular, there's something special about taking something that there's probably a baseline that you could sort of get away with. Like as long yep. as we get it this high, we're yep. going to sell food and we're going to be fine. And then there's a group of people that just says, no, I have to make it the best I possibly can. And I have a great admiration for those people, even though many people could say that's completely unnecessary. Yeah. So, yeah, certainly that part of it. And then all the vices become understandable, not in excusable, but uh, in a way that's like, yeah, of course, just like every other artistic field, some people can't handle the pressure of that. So this, this question I'm getting ready to ask has taken a little bit of different shape in my mind now that based on our current discussion, um, but kind of the way I was wording it originally was what critique do we do? You think we could make of the food service industry? Is it toxic? Mm -hmm. And how much of this is driven by like the high demand for original food and dining or like unique experiences but I would differentiate that now 
and say, is it is it more of like is it less about meeting a demand and more about creativity and like creating art? I guess I would have to say, assuming these shows are portraying something mostly real. Oh, I yeah, and that that is a big assumption. Yeah, I, I mean, we would we don't know. We don't know. But we're assuming. Yeah. So then, certainly, the whole environment seems toxic. But honestly, that's one of my favorite things about this show is Carmi deals with the toxicity, um, and is doesn't counteract the toxicity but you know maybe eventually kind of works his way to trying to counteract the toxicity but um he does go through the uh traumatic like moving through the trauma of the toxicity and that's yeah. that's part of what this show is i think one thing though so like if we take a show like or a movie like burnt uh-huh. which you can draw plenty of comparisons from the head chef in burnt is in my mind, creating the toxicity. Mm-hmm. So I feel like if we're drawing any comparisons here, I feel like some people could say, Carmi, is he creating the toxic environment? Yeah. Well, I think that's what I'm saying. Okay. And certainly you're so, saying though, he works through that. Yeah. He, the, get, like he his, gets better. Okay. But, and his, his behavior in creating the toxicity is learned behavior. And that's sort yes. of demonstrated to us. Yeah. And the premise is basically this is the way to run a good kitchen. Mm-hmm. And Carmi works his way through to say, uh, and even it's almost an experiment, but can we run a good kitchen without the toxic, toxic part of it? And it's, it's almost like an unanswered question to this point, but like it, yeah. it's the journey through that, which I really, that, you know, that's one of my favorite parts of the show. But at the same time, basically it's saying, because Carmi is no longer at like a high level restaurant. So it's not only asking like, does it have to be a toxic environment, but also like, do you need to leave that for your own sanity? Like, cause that's yeah. sort of what Carmi did, but then it's sort of an experiment. Can I take this up and how far can I do? So it's just like two different planes on a graph and he's like moving all around trying to experiment with this whole thing at the same time. It's so it's a very interesting experiment that we watch. Yeah. And, and you wrote a question here. I think if it's perfect. Yeah. I mean, how, how does this show, how is this show like a commentary on greatness versus anxiety and stress? And how, yeah. like, do you need to be this way to be great? Yeah. It's the age old question, which appears in like, well, right. and this, this is what whiplash is about too. It's yes. whip. The, I mean, we didn't even bring that up, but the movie whiplash like has a, a huge comparison to the show. Um, yeah. and so do you have to, um, yeah. Does that have to be the case? Do you, do you have to be pushed to your very limit in order to pull the very best out of you? It's funny. Like I, I wrote that question. I don't even know the answer to it, but I mostly in my life have not been willing to try that hard. Like I'm not going to push myself that far because of the collateral damage that happens um, when you do. And I don't know if it's necessary, but I do think you can probably be very and this is what I, you know, Carmi, I think learns this too. You can like then pull t- take your foot off the gas a little bit and still have create something great, but that doesn't push everybody over into these levels of anxiety that make everything, you know, if you average out the experience, um, that push everything over the top into anxiety world. And maybe you made a uh, food that was rated a hundred, but if you backed it off to like 93, then everybody's quite a bit more content around you. And it's like, 
Um, so you're not just dealing with the fundamental question is no longer have I created the greatest thing in the world because that doesn't really matter because the collateral damage of creating the greatest thing in the world. Um, but it's certainly a great question. I love wrestling with it. I think it has a lot to do with your desire for perfection, Carmi's desire, the artist's desire. Yeah. And being surrounded by people who maybe don't meet your expectations or have that same desire as you have. Mm-hmm. Um, I think of like Save the Last Dance, the Michael Jordan yep. documentary. Yep. You have been in involved in a number of bands. Have you ever been on any bands where it just seemed like people didn't care? I know the I know the answer to that because <laughs> because I've been on van, I've been on some vans in some vans with you, but like didn't you ever just get like really frustrated and maybe like if I just start yelling and screaming and yeah and sure. cre- like but then you've cr- but then you've created help? this yeah but that we would have spiraled into this toxic environment at that point yeah. but like I'm saying if there was something you could have done to get everyone as excited and passionate as they could as you are yeah. Or, you know, would you have done it? Yeah. Okay. So like <laughs> I, that, that to me, like, I feel like it doesn't always pl- maybe play out in the most healthy of ways, no. but like, if you've seen the save the last dance documentary, yeah. Michael Jordan was a jerk, Yeah. but like he pulled the team up with him in a lot of situations. Yeah. Like, you know, and if, I don't know, you could critique it any way you want. It could go back and forth. Maybe he was more of a team player in his later years and he still won championships, but I feel like it is a technique that does work. Oh, it absolutely works. Yeah. I'm not saying, but, um, I'm and it's not for everybody. You could make some uh-huh. serious enemies and you could lose a lot of people, but yeah. And I'm it, saying, I'm trying to take like, if you have like 30 factors for quality of life, and one of quality them, of life's a big one. And, yeah. And so like one of them is, did you create the greatest thing in the world? Okay. You got a 10 on that, but you have a three on everything else. Then yeah. like, um, I guess, and the people who create the greatest stuff in the world just only care about that one category. And that's, I'm glad they do sort of like, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I guess the yeah. way, what I want to say is I'm glad they do because they push everything. But, um, a lot of us then just like, uh, sort of evaluate how much of that are we going to tolerate and have it draw every other category down to the basement. So like, yep. um, I'm not gonna, um, well, I mean, even just like the, uh, listen, I'm, ma- I'm making no comment about what I could have potentially done as a person, but I'm a musician and obviously the music, every musician's dream is be a rock star. Right. But then as sure. you get older, so like, could I have been a rock star? I have no idea. It doesn't matter. That's not what I'm trying to say, but let's say if I could have been a rock star, then you have to go through like, there's so much stuff you sacrifice on the way up. Are you willing to sacrifice it? And at this point in my life, I'm basically like, yeah, I'm glad I didn't sacrifice that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm glad I didn't go through the like, uh, mostly. So I'm like very happy with my life. So there is probably something in certain people that just like all you care about is category one. And I'm going to push that to the max and I'm going to sacrifice everything else. And I suppose it's, we love watching it. I don't think it's the best idea in the world, but certainly I will continue to watch what these people do. There is something admirable about people who are willing to sacrifice yeah. Family and quality of life for greatness. I mean, and obviously it 
it doesn't lend itself to every scenario like like a church worship <laughs> band it doesn't really <laughs> lend itself to that but like no, yeah, yeah. you know and and honestly and sometimes it it's it even works better like if you're like a like a tiger woods type situation where you are a lone you know yeah. the lone wolf out yeah. there like you just have to you you're dealing with yourself yes you know if you're on a sports team you know it could go back and forth you could everyone could end up hating you and your team could still do terrible. I don't know. I just feel like there are certain scenarios in which it would work better and, or, you know, but I will say I recently, I've watched quite a few documentaries on people who demanded that level of success mm-hmm. and work ethic. And it's admirable for sure. Yeah. And yeah, I think it's just that it's, Still absolutely admirable. And at the same time, I mostly just think, yeah, I, I, that's just not what I wanted. Not for me. Yeah. yeah. I agree with that. And that's probably, not that. only is it not what I wanted, but that's probably why I never did it or, you know, yeah. it's just, yeah, it's an interesting circle for sure. One kind of silly follow up, but did the, was the music like abnormally great in this show? Or was that like just me? Cause no. like every song was clicking with me. Yeah. So I think I have two answers to that. My emotional answer is yes. My, my like, uh, scientific answer is it just was our music. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it was. so someone, like, someone gets me for sure. No, yeah, someone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like, yes, it was freaking awesome, but also it's only cause it's all the songs we like, but also you know, not just all the songs we like, but songs that aren't normally like, like you pointed out to me, uh, there's a counting crows song, which I, yeah. you know, how many, the, uh, uh, there's a County Crow song in Rounders and I like kind of Shrek Shrek. And like, that's maybe it like there. Yeah. Like I, I, it really was really, I was having a hard time think of other counting, especially like in a TV show. Yeah, I don't no, think there's no, any. No. I, I can't remember a County Crow show song in any show. And uh, now that's yeah, whatever. There could be one. They're a little um, past their prime, I suppose. So that's John Mayer. I, no, yeah. I, I will, I will differentiate between like expert level scoring Mm-hmm. on in like a movie where someone sat down with the movie and score you know like that that's kind of different this is someone adding in music that someone else wrote but i do feel like that can be done at an expert level also yeah for sure for the, sure for sure the yeah. way cameron crow yeah. would do that yeah. or you know i just i feel like the, the the right song at the right moment can hit all the right chords and create a beautiful scene yeah, it's it's just so interesting how it was used in the show because it's not it's a, a lot of throwback songs. Yeah. But there's nothing about the show that's like well, I mean, it's not. It's set in modern day, so it's not a throwback show. I don't think unless I missed something. It could have been. Yeah, I, I don't think yeah, yeah, I don't think it is. But anyway, so like it's funny that it's so I'm, it's interesting. I wonder what they're trying now. I wonder if they're playing nostalgia against anxiety. I don't know. Maybe. But um, because the people who would be most anxious about what Carmi's going through would be maybe our age, um, not necessarily like younger, haven't gone through career, have you know, all that sort of stuff yet. Um, so maybe it's a nostalgia thing, I, but it just doesn't, there's a lot of like nineties music in it, but it doesn't seem to make much sense because we're not set in the nineties. So it's, yeah. it's pretty interesting, but yeah, anyway, I mean, sorry, to, loved it. I don't want to discount the fact that no, yes, no. the music is great in the show for sure. Yes. Well, all right, Anthony. Pitching shows to each other, fall 2022 version. Yes. 
What show do you have for me this week? Yeah, it's a. Yeah, I don't know if I feel great about this being my first pitch of sort of oh, fall 2022, but get it, just get it on out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I do. So there's a very interesting show on Netflix called Middle Ditch and Schwartz. That's a mouthful. Yeah. Tom, I'm going to try to not say that very much, but Ben Schwartz, who I think I've referenced on the oh. and Thomas Middleditch, who was on um, uh, the HBO, sh- uh, the HBO show about computer chip, computer. Uh, oh, Silicon, Silicon Valley. Valley. Yes. He, um, so he was the, okay. He was the founder of Pied Piper anyway. So those two, they are long, long time improv, uh, mm. students of improv not only that, but they're pretty much within the improv community sort of lauded as two of the best of ever. Um, and so they have a very, very short special, only three episodes. I think each one's an hour and a half on Netflix. It's just such an interesting concept. And they recorded their improv shows. Now, improv shows are not normally like recorded, but the basic premise of most improv shows is something like they say, give me a topic. Give it a prompt. Yep, give yep. me a prompt and then we're going to go. So literally. Whose line is it anyways? Is a, uh, yeah, is a sort of, but that would be like, I think a short form improv. Okay. Sorry. I'm interrupting. No, that's you. okay. No, no, no. Yeah. Uh, this is all good clarification. So that, that's probably something, I don't know the terminology, but it's probably a short form improv and these are long form improv. So literally Thomas Middleditch and Ben Schwartz get up on stage this, so it's a, it's recorded with a live audience. Like it's, it's like a comedy show, but it's just a slightly different than that. They get up on stage and they say, give us a prompt. Somebody yells something down. And then they ask like maybe 10 to 15 follow-up questions about whatever they yelled out. Then they create an hour and a half show using only improv with, or like an hour to an hour and a half show using only improv, no breaks. The only, the two of them on stage. In it's one of the funniest things I've seen in a while. And the stuff they create is insane. Like Mm. the characters they create, but also they don't have any idea what it was beforehand. So it's just the, one of the most creative things I've ever seen. And also, man, they're just like brilliant. It's amazing to watch them in action, but it's also hilarious. So definitely worth watching. It's on Netflix. And also I believe it got renewed for more episodes coming up in the future. It's a very unique watch, but it's definitely worth it. Sort of like lighthearted in the way that it's, it's just kind of funny, not overwhelming Uh, plot wise. It's mostly goofy, but still very connected. So I highly recommend that. Excellent. What do you got for me? I love Ben Schwartz. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's awesome. Cool. Well, my show for you this week is Goliath. Have you seen Goliath? I didn't even check. Nope. It stars Billy Bob mm-hmm. Thornton. It's on Prime. Um, there have been four seasons. I think it started like in 2016 or something. He is, he used to be one of the best defense attorneys in the country. I think he lost a big case. And it's been a while since I've seen that first season. But um, basically, he ends up kind of just running a little firm out of his hotel room, which is where he just is, is basically where he lives. And, you know, his secretary like works there, but he takes all of these down and out cases now. Mm. And basically each season is like these benchmark cases where he's taking on these Goliaths. Mm. 
And he is relatively unknowns kind of carryover. The main cast, William Hurt, is kind of a carryover. But there, there will also be in a few of the seasons there will be big name antagonists. So like Dennis Quaid mm. was in one of the seasons. Actually, William Hurt is like the antagonist in the fir- antagonist in the first season. Uh, you see J.K. Simmons some. Um, mm. So anyway. A lot of good cameos, a lot of good kind of like season to season acting in it, but really compelling, a little trippy. Sometimes there's one of the seasons that is very unique. It's not like the other ones, but um, if you like courtroom style unique stuff, means one of a kind, something can't be very unique. Listen, if we wanted to <laughs> quote West Wing all the time, we, we should just do a full season on West Wing quotes. Yeah, we should. Well, that's what this show is. But anyway, um, go ahead. Sorry. Did I say very unique? Yes, and I'm. You know that I had to say that. Yeah, I'm not trying I to be a also, jerk. You I, know I had. I to try say not to say very unique know, because okay. of that. It's all right. We make mistakes sometimes. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it's excellent. It's a little off kilter. It's not your straight up like, you know, Matlock or The Practice or uh-huh. any of the other big lawyer show. It's, um, but yeah, the same, the same, very good. The same case is the whole season. Mo- Pretty mostly. much. There, yeah, yeah. I okay. think there are a couple seasons that have like multiple cases going on, but yes, like the big, there's like usually like a big case happening. And, um, the first season he takes on his old law firm, like his old partner. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of, that's kind of the premise of the show, Yeah, cool. but yeah, it's, it's really good. Billy Bob doing some of his best work, um, in this show. Great. Cool. So that's awesome. Yeah. Well, what are you watching right now? Okay, so this is daunting because this is our first quick hit after like a, a large summer. But fortunately, a lot of what I watched this summer, we're doing episodes on. So, oh, yeah. you know, so uh, I can get, I'll save all those for. This summer was loaded. This summer was loaded. And we're doing, I mean, everything that we watched, we're doing an episode on coming up this season. So stay tuned for that. But let me hit you with some other quick hits. Um, you had been recommending Slow Horses. Uh, for a while. And I did this summer, watch it, watch the whole thing. Like it was funny. I watched, I specifically remember I watched that first scene of the first episode, really enjoyed that, but then it slowed up for a second. And I tried to hit that. Um, I tried to come back a couple times and just really hit a wall each time. Then once I busted through that wall this summer, just powered through it, like binge the rest. Great show. Really, really good show. Highly recommend. That's, that's the Gary Oldman, yeah. Apple TV Plus, yeah. uh, spy thriller. Re- yeah, really, really, really good. It's really good. Um, I also, this is a little silly, but um, there's a show that you and I sort of like. It's called Big Timber. Oh, yeah. Big Timber's great. <laughs> Big Timber season two. Watch that. Okay. I haven't finished that. Is it? Is it was too good? Uh, no. It was not as good, not as, as, one. good as one. And two wasn't as good as one because they, I mean, do you watch some of two? I did watch. Some I'm not going to be yeah. worried about spoiling Big Timber. No, this is not a. So no. they. So he ends up going. What's that called? Like he goes out on the boat trying to find logs because yeah. his timber claim is shut down. Right. The whole season, like literally, maybe half the episodes are him just trying to pull logs off the beach. It's just like <laughs> log after log getting pulled off. I the got beach. that far. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you've goodness. basically seen the whole season. Then, if you saw him pull <laughs> any logs, that's ba- you're done. He's that's what he does all season. Just keep pulling logs off the beach. So it's not ne- the most compelling. So like we both love just real quick. We both love Big Timber season one, and for yep. me that was because it was like he does all the repairs. His family does all the repairs. Yes. And stuff. They do everything themselves. So they're popping around 
down from the mill to up on the timber claim. Then some machine breaks down. His son comes up and fixes it. And like all this different stuff, like they're hopping around to all these different things. And um, so it was awesome. All these different big machines doing these different things. You're learning so much about a timber claim and it's in this beautiful place up. So what's well, up in Vancouver, yeah, my, Vancouver Island. My aunt and uncle live on Whidbey Island, which I go to a lot and I've been there a lot and I love it. It's like my favorite place in the United States, in the world probably. And Vancouver Island is like the next island. Then there's the San Juan Islands and then there's Vancouver Island. Now, Van- okay. Vancouver Island is Canada, but it's like- Because that's where the show alone takes place a yeah, lot. Yep, yep. Uh, Vancouver Island. Yep. So it's, awesome. it's it's almost that same, it's basically that same area that's just my favorite place uh, in the country. That's cool. Um, yeah. But so it's just these beautiful views, but this season it was just like them out on the water pulling logs. So it was like- <sighs> That's um, disappointing. Yeah. So, and then I also, uh, I guess a couple other quick hits. I, I finished Grace and Frankie. I don't even know if you ever watched that. Um, I watched a little bit. It did, I didn't make it out of season one. It though. Did, like I liked it early on and then it just kind of like was sort of like this. Se- the final season wasn't very good. Uh, the cast based on the cast, I should have loved it I know. because it has like some of my favorite people. Well, it's pretty, it, it's pretty funny for a while. Like Lee and I really, really enjoyed it for quite a while, but then it just kind of like drug on a little bit. I, I love everybody in it. That's why it was so good. But, um, yeah, so I watched that and then several, several other things. I do want to say real quick, I'm current on res dogs. Um, and you know, by the time, I don't know, by the time we start releasing these, I don't know where we'll be, but I'm three episodes in basically. It is just as good as season one. It is so good. So funny. So heartfelt. So awesome. Um, and then also by the time this episode comes out, uh, I think it's called we are Wrexham. Um, yeah, the, the show yes. about Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhinney's team that they bought in, uh, in great Britain, which used to be a premier league team. It's one, it's the second oldest soccer club in football club, I should say in, um, great Britain. And it, had fallen all the way down to the fourth league in Ooh. in the Premier League, basically, and they invested in it and are trying to take it back up. But it's the documentary about them buying the team. It's, it looks awesome. Yeah, it's not out yet, but it's worth mentioning right now because by the time this episode comes out, it will be on. I already yeah. guarantee you I'm going to recommend you watch it, so you might as well just yeah. know it's about to come out. Or it, it just Plus anything out. with Ryan Reynolds, goodness. For sure, but also the... I mean, it's Football. so I, from what I gather of the trailer, like whenever, so at crew games, um, I'm still, yes, in love with the crew at crew matches, we sing wise men say, um, as the team walks out. So like they don't play a song when the team walks out, everybody in the stadium sings at the same time. Oh, that's awesome. I don't know if we got that from Wrexham or like, I, but that's what also what Wrexham does. So that was kind of huh. a weird connection where I was like, Oh, I mean, if, if we got it from Wrexham, they clearly did it first because they're like 200 years old or something like that. But um, yeah, just wow. for, it, but they also weren't big enough that I feel like that's who we would have stole it from. So I'm not sure how wide that is. But anyway, since you know my obsession is there, and then you flip on the trailer and they're singing, "Wise men say only fools rush in." Oh, the Elvis song, right? It's not called. Yeah, it's not called "Wise Men Say." It's called it's is uh El, that's an Elvis song yeah, though, right yeah only fools rush in yeah but it's not called that it's called I hate Elvis by the way but you do yeah I like that song can't help falling in love hmm. but I can't help falling in love with crew <laughs> I like that song well I only have one thing that I'm really watching oh, right man, now sorry then I really took an uneven amount of time go ahead you though. did sorry. You did. It's all right. But kind of rolling off the soccer thing, I'm watching 
Prime's new all or nothing season mm. and it's on Arsenal, which man is so, so good. Yeah, I, might, I haven't watched I watch all of them. <laughs> man, it's fantastic. I, I'm not super familiar with English premiere. Honestly, the only thing I know about it is what I gathered from the other all or nothing season that I watched, which was on Manchester city. This is, I mean, this is probably better than that. Oh, season. wow. Cool. I mean, it's, it's cause what, no, I won't. I won't spoil it at all. But uh, I think Arsenal just has a little bit bigger pull um, for like a wider audience. But anyway, I love the I love the coach uh, for the Arsenal. He's he's a real good guy. And I don't know. It's 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 great. It's fantastic. So I've actually never seen All or Nothing. It's basically hard knocks. But what I love about All or Nothing is it follows whatever team they're doing that season over the course of a season. Oh, cool. So like yeah. HBO just released a show on, is it called hard knocks? Um, it's, it's well, on the Detroit lions yes. training camp. Yeah. But that hard knocks has been on for like 20 years. Yeah. But oh, okay. Yeah. But anyway, so that, so I flipped on hard knocks yeah. the other night and it was like, it was, I think it just takes place at their training camp. Yep. Except that hard knocks. So I watch hard knocks every year. Um, okay. Hard knocks just this year for the first time did a mid-season hard knock so they normally just do four episodes during training camp and then okay. you don't hear anything from them for a year last year they did four episodes in a training camp and then they did like six episodes at it for with the indianapolis colts during the season which was very cool so it's more like what you were talking about but still not all the way to what you were talking about in that like they just want to do the training camp and then they leave it alone and then they did a different team during the middle of the year uh, okay well, so this reminds me more of like Drive to Survive, like the oh, Formula yeah, cool, One. Cool. Sh- yeah. One. So like it's it follows the team like and you get the the highs, the lows. Did, did things work out the way they hoped they would? Yeah, did they awesome. not? Yeah. You know, that's not necessarily like a rosy ending. Anyway, it's uh, it's it's really good. I always enjoy the all or nothings on on Amazon Prime. Yeah, nice. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode and you haven't already, please take a minute to rate and review our podcast. We would really appreciate it. Also, hit that subscribe button so you are notified the minute we release new content. Lastly, the Good Show Facebook group is up and running. We would love to chat with you and hear your opinions on our episodes. Again, thank you for joining us and we'll see you next time.